What's up, Nick fans? Welcome to episode 53 of the Worldwide Knicks podcast. Omar here alongside Alex and Rafa coming at you guys right after the crushing defeat that the Knicks uh, faced uh, at home against the Toronto Raptors on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So, guys, how are we doing? And more importantly, how are we feeling after that game? Um, exhausted. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was a tough one to take, but, yeah. So, uh, it's tough going straight onto the pod as well, just to try and process yeah, it all. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking that as well. Yeah, I was like, man, video, it, it's what we hate about other, like, uh, type of content creators, right? Where they just come in after a game, coming in hot, super emotional, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Wait, not the worst game. It was, it's a tough loss, but it, it wasn't yeah. the worst loss we've seen this past month. So true. it's, uh, or this season even. So it's, uh, it's, it's okay to talk well. about this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, it was, you know, it's a tough overtime loss, but, you know, I always feel like those you could kind of stomach a little bit better over like a 40 point drubbing or something like that, where you just like feel hopeless for like two, three hours. But, uh, let's just jump right in, guys. Uh, five games that were this week. Team ends up going three and two with losses today to Toronto and earlier in the week to Milwaukee. Uh, wins against Washington, Indiana, and Detroit. So a uh, pretty solid week, you know, a winning week for the team. Uh, so hopefully more of that to come. Team currently standing at sixth place in the Eastern Conference standings. A uh, couple games behind I think Philly is in the five spot right now, or Cleveland. Yeah, uh, one of those, those is the Cavs, yeah. So no, I know those two tied, teams. So they're, they're tied. Yeah. They're, they've been flip flopping for big, that five spot. So uh, in a really a good shape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much talent right now in the East, too, uh, especially at the top. Those five teams are going to kind of be duking it out uh, for position uh, from now until the end of the year. Uh, but let's just jump right in with a topic that. I, I usually go to Alex first. I'm going to end up going to Rafa first on this one because this was kind of his topic. So if you watch this team, you have probably fallen victim to being angry about the fact that the opponent is always getting an open three-point shot. And for a while, we kind of explained that away as, oh, that's just, you know, the defense that Tibbs likes to play, you know, leave a guy open for a shot and, you know, hopefully he's a low percentage shooter and he'll miss. So, but there have been moments where, you know, those type of open looks have cost us in games and, you know, shooters just coming through, getting hot at the right moment, getting those open looks from the corner. So, Rafa, starting with you, do you really think this is a, a really concerning thing long term for the team? Might see it as a concerning thing because if. If we don't uh, through the game, because that's what happens. The teams start out really cold. The, our defense looks amazing. Uh, no, the no three point shots are going down. We're playing interior defense, great interior defense, and we get the big leads. That's mm -hmm. what been happening. We get the big leads because we're playing good defense, and the, the three point shot just isn't falling. Then the three the three point shots start to fall. And it seems like we don't adjust. It's like, uh, no, let them shoot. They will, they will eventually miss again. So, it kind of seems like like it. We uh, prey on the closeouts, and uh, well, if you look at the first the first the first half of the game, basically, uh, 
RJ can still close out. Um, Grimes can close out. Quickly is running to close out. Brunson, even Randall, they're all, uh, well, they have more gas to run to the three-point line. And if you have, trying to, even if you're wide open, you're trying to shoot a three, you have a guy running at you. Well, he's going to try. You're going to look at him. Even if you're a professional, you're trained, he might still affect your shot. Mm-hmm. So if you were quick about it, okay, you you're you're right on top of the guy. The guy, the shot is not it, it's not that wide open. But late in the games, when when the legs are tired, from our, all of our physical defense, because that's the thing, we play very physical defense. We right. are uh, very uh, aware on on defense for the first minutes of the game, the first quarters. Late situations, we just seemed way too tired just like we seemed against this game when again in this game against the the, the raptors mm-hmm. um we just look way too tired we can't play the defense the same way we can't be as physical and the, that on offense well, let me let me ask you this rafa do you think the yeah. tired legs late in the game is that a function of the nine-man rotation you know where you know we saw like RJ before we went to OT today. He was at forty four minutes, right? You know, so yeah. do you think that that has something to do with it, or is it just a matter of not being able to maintain that level of intensity, that level of defense for a full forty eight minutes as a team? I think it all helps. A lot, a lot, uh, it all amounts to this to a, a, an issue. Like it, right. if you have a shortened rotation and you have you play such a physical style, mm-hmm. well, it's a uh, I think it's a obviously the nine man rotation had been working. We've been playing well, and we we haven't uh, had a bad loss like losing by twenty or um, fifteen points even or a ten. I don't remember um, recently. It's all close games. Uh, we're always fighting for it. So it's the nine man rotation in that sense is working because we're playing better as a team. That nine man right. rotation is playing well. Um, well, eight Artenstein. Well, um, <laughs> the nine man rotation is working, right? But then it's the problem that we we such a physical style, so running around, and we're such uh, ferocious defenders that we get we reach the, the fourth quarters way too tired. I think to maintain that level of defense, and if we're not playing that level of defense, or if not not five players out there are playing that level of defense. Mm-hmm. It's it shows it really shows we have to play team defense because we don't have to, still uh, an elite defender like we can guard all five positions we still don't have that as much as I like Grimes. Yeah, I mean they don't defense. grow on trees, Rafa. You know, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, we still don't we don't have that. So that we have this defensive style, uh, a team defense. Uh, sounds well. Every team plays defense, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, it hurts us. It ends up hurting us in, in the fourth quarter on defense and on offense. I don't know if getting another man out there would, would help, but maybe playing him. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not believing I'm going to say this, but playing Obi top in a few more minutes, um, Deuce McBride a few more minutes, just to let, not because he deserves the minutes, not, not getting into that conversation, but maybe Randall playing a top, 35 instead of playing 45 or 42 with OTs or something, maybe those few minutes can 
take it do a different make a difference. I mean, you heard Breen talk about it on the broadcast today, you know, where it's a nine-man rotation, and that ninth man doesn't get a ton of burn, you know, gets like six, seven, eight minutes. So it's really almost an eight-man rotation, really, if you think about it. Uh Alex, let me let me toss it over to you. I mean, what are you making of this three-point defense uh issue, non-issue? Uh, what's your read on that? It's a hard one because you know it's worked well for us in the past. It's a it's a it's a system that a lot of teams run, um, but it's hard to in the modern NBA to have you know a weak shooter on the on the perimeter. So that that's the problem with it. Um, it's it's one of those things that sometimes it seems to go for you and it, everything seems rosy, but. Um, it's 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 so hard because if you just if you if you just sent everybody out and out to the perimeter, um, guarding the perimeter, then obviously the paint's wide open, and there's so many skillful skillful big men these days that can just dominate the paint if you if you do it like that. So, um, it's a tough one. Um, you know, some when it, when it go, say when when players are missing wide open threes. You know, you'll get the credit for having good defense. Do you know because it, sometimes everybody looks at the stats and you know the opponent three point percentage is is low, and then sometimes you know you, some some team will come along and just hitting absolutely everything and 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 you know it's I understand why he does it. Do you know and you know everything's about rim protection with with Tibbs, but he's not the only coach that does it like that. Um, you know, I was watching the Nets actually recently and. You know the amount of wide open threes they gave up was just amazing. Do you know, it was like players just walking around, you know, not even making an effort to to get out to the perimeter, just hoping that players would miss. Do you know, um, and I think it's just a, something that um, we kind of, uh, you know, when we've had a tough loss, you're looking for something to blame, and and it's you know the, the easiest thing to do. But um, yeah, if you start chasing out to the perimeter and everybody out in the perimeter, then you know, you're, you're leaving Mitch in an island. Um, and, yeah, you've just got to pick your poison a wee bit sometimes. So, um, Yeah, and that's you know. something that Washington, in their uh, when we played them earlier in the week, Kyle Kuzma, mm-hmm. um, their coach, Wes Elmsell Jr., and uh, I think Corey Kispert were also saying about how, you know, the whole thing with the Knicks is they're going to drive you in to suck you into the paint, collapse on you in the paint, and that's going to leave open some shooters. So it does feel like, like you guys both have said, that it's schematically by design. And mm-hmm. just looking at the numbers, you're seeing that the Knicks are allowing, you know, 34% from three, which is fifth best in the league. But they're also third in the league in the amount of threes that their opponents are putting up. So they're shooting a lot, you know, and the uh, Knicks are also 25th in the league with opponent makes. So, oh, 15. So 13 out of 37 per game. And, you know, it's, it's a three point shooting league. We, we all know that, you know, it's, it's all at the basket or at the three, very few players outside of like Kevin Durant and Julius Randle, really to a certain extent are really shooting in the mid range like that. But by, by and large, it's all about that three point shot. And, you know, it seems to be a schematic thing. And it seems to be something that I think the team and the coach have just really bought into is saying, okay, this is our scheme. And it's incredibly frustrating, right? It's like, I'll use an American football analogy where there's a type of defense called cover two, and it's a, it's a safe zone defense. And you're going to allow a lot of yards against you. But the idea is like, once they get close to scoring, that's when you hold them down, right? 
that's almost what this feels like that you're kind of you're going to allow those shots uh in high volume and if you happen to catch a hot shooter on a night then so be it that's a loss in in the in the in the win loss column for you but by and large they feel pretty confident in having to make the opponent kind of swing it around and take a shot by maybe shooters who aren't the primary option, like making Precious Achua shoot a three, for example, since we just played Toronto. You know, that seems to be the idea. And I think, you know, they do need to contest a little bit better on the second and third pass, but I I think some of this, guys, is just the fact that that's today's NBA. Right. You know, this is the the way the game is played. It's a spacing game. It's a four out, sometimes five out game. And uh, the Knicks are kind of emphasizing the paint. And when all of these other teams are are really focusing on shooting. And who are we to say that's not working? The team is, you know, four games above 500, four or five games above 500 in position for the playoffs. So, you know, the numbers look good. And the cool thing about it for us, though, is whenever we lose a game, we always will end up with uh, those advanced analytics saying that we should have won the game. So that's always like a silver lining to any loss that we have. Uh, I'd say, but, I'd, I'd, I'd say uh, Grimes and IQ have uh, certainly in the past few weeks have, have helped a lot um, the perimeter defense. So you can see that they're getting out sharper than, you know, pre-Christmas sort of, sort of form, you know, and uh, Grimes especially is great at uh, kind of tracking down shooters, but Kind of making it difficult so um, yeah absolutely that's the thing even if he's great he's uh well he gets tired even if he's young mm-hmm. he will still get tired tired because the other guys aren't clo- aren't closing out so it's it's the issue because we're having good le- great leads we stop defending as well say call it like this because it's not defending as well because obviously it's still a, the, the even if the teams shoot a lot of the teams shoot a lot of three pointers, it's still the most uh, the, le- the least efficient efficient shot. Like mm-hmm. it's thirty percent against uh, eighty or ninety percent in, from inside. So obviously, three point shot is the one to get to give. But what always happens we the, and it and then it looks like three point defense. It, we get so anxious to get those three pointers back or to. Because if you if you have a eighteen point lead, okay, oh they're making threes. Well, but if you're making your shots, even if they're twos, it, the lead in still jumping from nineteen to sixteen. It, well, it's uh only eighteen, and it's yeah. It's there, there's small, something to that, right? Smaller. There's something to that. Them getting a little anxious about shit. You know, this guy's making yeah. a bunch of threes now. Now we gotta hit threes, and you're seeing sidestep Julius threes or, you know, RJ or Brunson forcing a three type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and the, the interesting thing will be is if we're at the sixth seed and say we catch a team like Brooklyn in the playoffs, that becomes a test because they're starting to, you know, their, their players are starting to hit shots. Uh, Watanabe is making shots. Obviously KD and Kyrie can hit a three from anywhere, you know, so that becomes concerning in the playoffs and you, it kind of makes you wonder Will there be a slight tweak to that that you want to maybe get up on shooters a little bit better than they are in the regular season? But you guys mentioned uh, Emmanuel quickly, which segues perfectly into our next topic, which uh, ties into the bench and uh, and not in a good way. Remember, guys, remember like a couple of years ago, bench was great. Bench is better than the starters, right? Um, but not so best much. Best bench anymore. in the league. Best bench <laughs> in the league, big 15, the whole thing. 
you know, yeah. uh, not so much anymore, man. Big like, nine. <laughs> um, right now, the Knicks are bottom four in the league in bench scoring, averaging only 29 points per game. Uh, so not not great. But and really, the only one who's really producing for them is um, Emmanuel Quickly, who's scoring almost half of those points himself. So not we haven't seen much from Obi or since he got back. Uh, Hartenstein has offensively just been anemic. And, uh, you know, Deuce uh, has just not been able to find his offensive game either. So how concerned are you guys about this, uh, the bench? And, you know, what do we need to do in terms of thinking about acquisitions uh, to to kind of fix this? Yeah, it's a huge concern. I mean, the when you're seeing, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with some of the some of the minutes that are going out but not on this kind of consistent basis. Do you know, they need more help. And I think these kind of 40 minute, um, 42 minutes and things that are coming out are, are just being driven by the fact that, you know, Tips is looking around at his bench and just like, <laughs> do you know, these guys are giving me nothing. Do you know, I've yeah. just got, I've got to keep these guys out there. Um, that's my best chance of winning, as he always says. Do you know, he, he puts in the guys that he thinks have the best chance of winning. And if these guys are producing nothing, then, then you know, what's he to do? Um, I mean, Hartenstein's been a bit all over the place all season. Do you know, sometimes you're like, there's a player there. Um, but he certainly does, He certainly isn't as advertised. Do you know, I, I, he's supposed to be this amazing passer. Out of the post, he's supposed to be a three-point threat. I was... So looking to see him as a, you know, a real alternative to Mitch, you know, somebody that came in and could just change the game and adapt, adapt the style. Just, I'm not seeing any of it other than the fact that he's, you know, all over the floor and chasing down things. And, you know, he's just a bit kind of erratic. He's a bit all over the place. You, you just, you just never really see what you're going to get with him. But uh, Mick, Br- Mick Bray, yeah. McBride's every game you see Hartenstein just going like this to the refs. What? Yeah. What? It's it's a classic now. <laughs> yeah, McBride's you know slightly better than a G League player. I, I don't think he's hugely improved from where he was. Would, last real quick, season or so. would we be better off playing Fournier instead of McBride? Mm-hmm. Do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, certainly. Well, you know, while he's here, you know, we might as well use his talent. I mean, we're struggling from three. Mm. Um, we just need to find a way of him coming in with a you know defensive lineup that can kind of hide the fact of how poor he is himself from uh, defensively. So, um, I just you know when when he first get moved to the bench, he just looked it just looked so awkward and so just didn't fit at all. I just I, I don't think they've got that bench unit quite right. But you know we've been mixing and matching a few players here and there uh, with the bench unit like RJ trying to get them going. So you know maybe we just need to do a bit more um, kind of experimenting with with Phony coming off the bench. But McBride's giving yeah nothing at the moment. I mean I know he's. Absolutely. He's coming in and giving us, you know, defensive effort, but that that's you know that's not sustainable at an NBA level. Um, yeah, I've, I've it reminds you of something, someone, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the I'm assuming you mean the Prince, but uh, yeah, of course. Just uh, yeah, just desperate, just desperate to see guys like that do well. That you know, great effort, you know, great defense, which everybody, every New York fan loves, but 
yeah, there's, there's got to be something at the other end as well. Unless you're, you know, you're seriously elite at the defense, but then then there's a role for you. But and Toppin just doesn't doesn't look quite quite right since he came back from his injury. I don't know if there's something lingering there, but um, yeah, something. I mean, you're always concerned when it's a, when it's a knee injury. I didn't really understand the the um, the the whole thing about you know why is RJ you know going straight back up to 30, 40 minutes and always you know getting brought along jet well you're like well look at the different types of injury you know i mean it's a it's a finger injury against a knee injury you've got to be right. careful with the injuries you know and injuries yeah. um especially always a bigger guy you know bigger guys yeah. have worse knee injuries historically so yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, but yeah they need to do something to get them going I, you know at the end of the day we're all hoping that we can we can get into the playoffs in some way but as long as it's sorted by then because we really need something coming off the bench if we're going to be going into the playoffs so. our bench you know continuing with obi Toppin, and he's an injury an uh, injury what what do we know obi Toppin for flying around okay. running the floor i mean if he hurt his knee i one of the the, the greatest or the, the biggest problems about returning from an injury, especially a knee one or something, it's not about healing the, the the knee or the foot or whatever it is. It's the mentally you getting uh, well trusting the knee that it's not gonna mm-hmm. you you don't you're not overprotecting it. And it's uh, I mean it's the NBA and uh, and knee injury is out for one month and re- he returns uh, watching soccer 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 well soccer um <laughs> he goes players go out for like uh two months with with, with the type of injury like that because they're re- 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 regaining that confidence on the, the knee because it's a it's still a, it's physical game it's man against man they're just colliding and bumping right. and uh, as you mentioned Omar big man fighting for rebounds uh, just pushing and shoving it's it takes time and uh so if they're playing it safe with obi and obi returns to his form i mean i'm not expecting obi to drop 20 points off the bench uh but well anything is better than zero so yeah but um the bench with that nine man rotation we don't normally we don't normally see them alone there's a second unit there's always someone from the the starting unit with them mm-hmm. is it brunson or rj uh, has been RJ uh, again coming from back from the injury. It doesn't look amazing. Uh, RJ still uh, there might be some rust there. Uh, after all, after that first game where there was no rust, but maybe some rust. And uh, the unit is uh, Obi is getting back. Uh, RJ is getting back as well. And so, but, well, this maybe sums up why they're playing forty minutes again, Brunson and Randall, because the second unit is not trustworthy right now. Uh, Hartenstein is. Uh, I disagree with Alex. He impacts the game for the other team, um, <laughs> but he does impact the game. He's been, dude. Hartenstein has been all over the place. He's been. He he tries. It's it, just like Evan Fournier. Well, they try it, giving that. Uh, Deuce McBride is offense. He his shot is not falling for anything in the world, and his defense is. I don't. I feel like it hasn't been as great as it was at the beginning, so maybe those minutes got re- reduced because of it. So mm-hmm. maybe he's not in a, a great place. His shot not falling maybe cost him a little bit of confidence. And um, well, it's quickly is uh, 
the sixth man of this team. He, yeah. we actually, it actually happened. He, uh, Larry Crows mentored him into his own, own roster spot. Sixth man of the team. He should be considered, have a vote or two for sixth man of the year, to be honest, uh, Emmanuel, quickly, right now. That feels like uh, Russell um, Westbrook's award to lose uh, this year, guys. Uh, he's been... But they're putting up numbers as a sixth man. I mean, uh, yeah. saying what you want about the Lakers. The numbers, he, well, if you don't look at turnovers or no shot selection, it, it, the numbers are good for uh, Westbrook. They always sixth have man, it. I feel like it's, 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 it's a scoring Rafa. stat, right? You know, it's a scoring <laughs> award, really. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just, just um, sorry, just uh, you, you mentioned Rose there. I mean, he was obviously a huge part of that bench two years ago. Um, you know, turned the season round, so... Um, him being missing poor form, whatever's going on with him since the start of the season, that's been it's not helped that bench unit just kind of come together as a as a kind of whole thing. Yeah. Let's not forget that a big part of that bench unit last year isn't a starting lineup this year. It's Quentin Grimes. Yeah, Grimes and Quickly and Obi, they were working pretty well together, and Grimes is no longer there. Um, and Second unit had Fournier, had Cam, had Fournier again. Now he, now they're out again. So it's they they don't uh, seem to have a fit. The first unit is working well. Second unit is needs a little bit of uh, help right now. Here's the thing with the bench, guys. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's real bad. Okay, and the only positive is Emmanuel quickly. He's really. I think we were talking about this the other day in, in the group chat. He has a different uh, demeanor about him. He's just more about more serious, more, more business-like in his approach. And, you know, he's, he's been scoring a bunch of points and he's been playing side by side with Brunson incredibly well, you know, when Brunson is running yeah. with the second unit there and when quickly additionally is running with the starters. And that, so that's where the positives end is Emmanuel quickly. Isaiah Hartenstein looks lost. Like, we were all, I feel like, relatively positive at the very least about his signing. Like, oh, he got a stretch five passing big man to fill in in the four if needed. You know, that kind of stuff is what we were talking about. And we were saying, yeah, this isn't just another lesser version of Mitch that, like Nerland's Noel was, like Jericho Sims is, right? It's, it's a different type of big man. We were all super positive about it. This guy looks fucking lost. He doesn't know what he's doing on the floor half the time. Even when he like scores, it's it, it seems fluky and surprising, you know. And that's what's killing me about it. Then you have Deuce who can't hit a shot. The defensive intensity, yeah, that's great. And like you mentioned, Alex, good point. Shades of Frank Nilakina, you know, the heir apparent to the French Prince, right? And and it's just it's just been a it's been bad to watch, you know. And it's just been ugly. Obi has been relegated to corner threes only even the fast break dunking isn't there anymore right like we had one today like when was the last time we saw that like realistically how often have we really seen those outlet passes because teams are guarding against that now because they know that's the primary thing of his uh of his game so when you take all that into account this team desperately needs some sort of microwave scorer off the bench to kind of Make sure that these guys don't get fatigued. You can have Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett playing 40-plus minutes nightly every single night. It's just not sustainable, you know, if you're thinking into the future, especially you just made an investment in Jalen 
and RJ. So you kind of need somebody. You know, I know there's been a rumor about Eric Gordon from the Rockets. I wouldn't be opposed to that. That's a guy who gets buckets. Yeah, he's 34, but he'd be coming off the bench. I don't know what the cost would be. There's Terrence Ross rumors always out there. You know, uh, that's who these this team needs to go after at the deadline, right? Like everybody's talking about, oh, we got to get OG Ananobi or somebody who's going to get into the starting unit. Like, no, we need a guy on the wing who could score and create his own shot a little bit. You know, and, uh, that's where I think Eric Gordon makes sense. He could he has some shot creation still left in the tank, you know, and uh, I know, you know, Knicks fans, you know, he's he's way above the age limit, you know, so uh, that's a little concerning. Right. But I don't know. I think they need to make a move. Um, what do you guys think? Do you guys think they show who or who do you think they should target if they're going to get some bench help uh, for this playoff push? Yeah, I mean, if it's along the same kind of lines as that Derek Rose deal, you know, it just gives the whole the whole roster kind of a lift, kind of going into the second half of the season. You know, so that kind of injection of somebody experienced, um, a scorer, but somebody that can kind of hold their own defensively as well. Um, you know, I, I, I was just trying to look up there what um, uh, Gordon's got left in his deal because uh, I know that that uh, that contract was seemed as one of the worst in the league when when he signed it obviously it must be uh it must be expiring fairly soon um it's this year for or next year still i think it was a long got, contract. still got another year yeah so that's that, that that's, that's a thing with him that, yeah. that's, a, that's that's something that would put me off to be honest if if he was maybe expiring this year then yeah it's a it's a it's a big hit you know that's the 20, 20 million he's on so I mean, you know, you're paying Fournier that money to to sit on the bench right now. So but yeah, I mean, how, how yeah. much better is he than than Fournier? What does he give you other than Fournier? You know, maybe a bit more help at the point guard position. You know, right. as somebody. I mean, I know he's not a true point guard, but he um, who is these days, of course. <laughs> but the um, but yeah, he can at least fill in there a little bit better playmaking wise. Yeah. Uh, like my that. preference is probably somebody like Terrence Ross, you know, a wing guy, you know, you don't really want a small, cause we have enough guards, right. You know, you still got quickly, yeah. you still got McBride there. You could have got Derek Rose if you absolutely need him, you know? And so, you know, a guy who could play the three a little bit is probably what you want, but a guy who could score. And that's what they need to be looking after. I know there's been rumors about Caruso. Um, I'm, I don't know. I, I, again, that poses the same problem. Yeah. Yet another small guard who can't really score. You know, and you want a scorer if you're getting some guy to come in and produce off the bench. Um, Rafa, what do you think? Yeah, I think I agree with you, uh, with uh, Omar. We need a guy that, um, first of all, Knicks fans don't like it, but I think a vet suits more of the position or the role we want to fill in. Yeah. Because, well, young guys, if they are great scorers, they will want to uh, reach higher. Just look at, uh, at Miami with Tyler Hero. Uh, Hero was, was the perfect fit from the coming off the bench. Now they're behind the Knicks. I don't know if that's the, the reason, but I'm just saying that the younger guys want will want to go higher. They want to start or something. Or, Different point in their careers, you know, right? You know, like exactly. That's, exactly. They know what they know the role, you know, and that's it. Yeah, that's it's what I'm. It was a, a guy, an older guy that knows. Okay. This is what we, what we want us to do. Uh, what we want us you to do: just come off the bench, uh, play 
play defense, help the help out, of course, the guy who can stand his own on defense and who can um, help quickly because uh, we know quickly is a, a, a great, he's been playing great, but he's still a bit, a bit streaky. Real quick, the guys, real quick, not to derail you yeah. and kind of almost yeah, create yeah. a separate topic so we can make kind of quick. Obviously, a lot of buzz about quickly now about a lot of teams being interested is are you are you answering the phone if you're Leon about trades for quickly right now? Definitely answering the phone. I mean, he's yeah, um, he's he's playing so well at the moment. But um, I mean, I don't think I know we keep talking about this kind of untouchable thing, you know, with like crimes and. Yeah, I guess um, not untouchable. I mean, like yeah, I mean, you've got you've got you've you've got to pick up the phone, uh, especially depending who it is. I, I was going to ask you actually, Omar, about what the, what the word on the street in Detroit is about that uh, uh, Bogdanovich. Whether you know they uh, they like going him. in, they like yeah, him. But, um, but I think he's going to get moved. That there's way too much smoke about contenders wanting to add it because he's the type of guy. If you're like right there. He's going to be that type of guy who could potentially take you over the top as like a primary scorer off the bench or like a fourth option type, uh, you know, shooter. Um, I, th- I would say Milwaukee, but they got Joe Ingles, basically the same thing, same role. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. I could see like a team out West, maybe, uh, you know, taking a look and like wouldn't imagine him on Memphis, for example, you know, as a, as a like a bench leader for them being able to hit, knock down some threes when Bain is off the court. You know, that's uh, – it's an interesting proposition. And the, the Pistons are made it very obvious. They're all in on Wimbenyama right now. So, you know, mm-hmm. no sense in him wasting whatever prime he has left uh, in Detroit. So, yeah, I think I think he's gone at the deadline for sure. Yeah, that that, that was that was the reason I asked was, you know, if they're going fully uh, tanking and things that, you know – Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the lineup yeah. yesterday, man. Like they have a chance. The the players that they were trotting out there. I mean, Kevin Knox was getting rotation minutes, you know, important. Like he was in in the first quarter, you know, like they like once Cade went down, it was all in on the tank, right? You know that that's kind of the way the way I'm looking at it. And they're probably looking at it like, hey, if we could get Victor Wembanyama, you know, then yeah, maybe we get we shed Marvin Bagley and we shed Isaiah Stewart, and you know we build around this core of Cade, Ivy, and Wembanyama, which is terrifying. You know, if you really if if Victor is ends up panning out the way everybody thinks he's going to pan out, I mean, they're making it seem like, you know, he's like Kevin Durant plus five inches. So, um, so you know, we'll see. Kevin uh, Durant we'll see meets Giannis, right? It's Kevin Durant meets Giannis. People yeah, say. I will say one thing though. His, you know, his shooting numbers have been kind of overstated. You know, everybody always says, "Oh, yeah, he could shoot from anywhere." Like just this year, he crossed thirty percent shooting from three in Europe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see how he. Uh, how he develops once he gets into the league. I'm always a little concerned about guys that tall, right? Like seven, four, seven, five, those type of dudes. I always worry about durability. There's he came up against one the other day. He's another one no. that's been linked, of course. Oh, um, Porzingis. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. His groveling apology. And please, please take me yeah. back. Every yeah, time funny, I see those things on Twitter, uh, man. Forget. Yeah, funny how they forget, you know, what uh how good they have it with the fans in the garden and the atmosphere as being a Nick. It's not the same when you're at the, in the Capital One Center, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, but let's uh let's move on, guys, to um 
probably a topic that's near and dear to mine and Rafa's heart, especially, you know, some rumblings going on right now. That despite winning a bunch of games and and everything, that Julius Randle and RJ Barrett are kind of a bad fit for one another. You know, that the the play styles don't mesh their that you know Julius was playing his best ball when RJ was out with his with his finger injury, and that when Julius is off the court, RJ seems to play better basketball. That seems to be the narrative that's brewing because we can't ever be happy that the team's above five hundred. We have to find some sort of issue. So again, Rafa, let me start with you first. Again, uh, the uh, president of the RJ Barrett fan club. Uh, so you as an RJ fan, especially, do you think? that him in the same lineup with Julius is hurting his output and his development. I've said this on the pod. I had thought that before seeing that, uh, obviously a team completely full in a hundred percent in on just play through RJ Barrett would be different for his growth or his Mm -hmm. growing pains and everything. But Especially after uh, the end of last year and uh, this year as well, um, they're not playing uh, bad basketball together. Mm-hmm. They're winning together. The win streak was when they were both playing their best basketball. The eighth game winning streak was they were both on the floor, the best game, the best games of their. When they got up, the team rolled. I mean, it probably isn't the 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 the, the greatest fit ever but if you look at it neither is Brunson because Brunson is not the their 40 percent or 45 percent three-point shooter he mm-hmm. also attacks the paint a lot so RJ attacks the paint Brunson attacks the paint uh Randall is an in, more of an, an inside guy and um so the, the fit isn't 100 percent perfect right there so with not none of those players I don't think now that the growth is uh being stunned because of Julius Randle because we we look the, the game when RJ came back Randle took what 11 shots that game or 12 and he, Brinson and RJ took all the shots yep so it, it has been it's uh, almost like a take turns well. dynamic, right? Like they're all right. I'm a, I'm a go. I'm a hold on to it right now. All right, next couple of possessions, maybe you do it now between the three of them, Brunson, uh, Randall, and and Barrett. Okay. Oh, you have it going. Just keep shooting, man. I, yeah. I oh, I'm shit. Don't pass me the ball. I will give it to you. It happens. It's mm-hmm. been happening. Like uh, so, they've uh, RJ had a forty point game. Um, Brunson had a forty-point game. Randall had a port a forty-point game. So, yeah. and uh, with RJ scored, Randall was on the floor. Brunson had them as well. Randall, I think RJ was. On, I don't remember if RJ was uh, on the floor as well or not. Probably not. But I mean, RJ when Randall is uh, doing his thing, RJ is in the corner waiting for the three-point shot as well, like quickly is or uh, was or Grimes. So it's. It's, I mean, not every player can have the ball 100% of the time. Yeah. I've accepted it. And uh, I'm, I saw growth not only from RJ, but from Randall as well. So I think I'm happy. We're in the like playoffs. Here's, right here's now. my counter to people who say, all right, well, we want this X player, you know, whether whoever you like more between the two, or if you're more of a Brunson guy, that you, know, you want them initiating every single time. 
as great as Luka Doncic is and as great as Harden was in Houston, you know how miserable watching those teams are? You ever watch the Mavs on League Pass? Like, you're just watching Luka dribble a bunch before he, like, swings it out to Wood or swings it out to Hardaway for, for a three if he does. And, like, we got three guys who could attack the paint at any point in time. And, you know, and where it's kind of like you're playing off the hot hand. But, Alex, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, you know, when when RJ first came in the league, and um, there was there was a lot of noise about you know whether they got on personally. The bod- body language between the two of them never seemed great. Oh, good old body language police. Yeah. Oh, no. oh my god! I can't believe I said that. It's it's up there with culture for me. <laughs> yeah. There's two forbidden words now. Yeah. For twenty twenty three, it's a new change. You can't yeah, talk about yeah. body language or team culture on on this podcast. You need right, to well. have like a almost like a button that you can press that kind of yeah. kind of electrocute me and Rafa every time we say something. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> An inject uh, seat for any guest that talks about it. Just press the button. There they, yeah. there they go. Yeah. Just boot them out. Yeah. <laughs> <Inject> <laughs> <us>. <laughs> but they, um, but yeah, no, they they're kind of. Um, I wouldn't say they were a bad fit. But I wouldn't say they were a great fit. They they're just kind of slightly awkward. Um, but. As you say, I mean, there's 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 a huge sample size now, obviously, with them playing together, that that they can be successful. Um, and we've talked a lot about how Randall's adjusted his style of play, especially this season. I think uh, with Brunson there, um, I think it's just something that needs a little bit more work, you know, to be consistent. Um, I don't think it's anything hugely to worry about, but I think their styles of play can work with with Randall being such a good passer. Um, and yeah, just. I think it's more about trying to tie all three of them together uh, with Brunson as well, um, and just get them working. Um, it doesn't; they don't have to uh, all be involved in the, the one play. Yeah, they can take a play off and you know concentrate on the defensive side more. Um, I think yeah, it's just a work. It's a bit of a work in progress, especially with when Brunson coming in, who's taken quite a lot of the usage away. That mm-hmm. it's just going to take time to to kind of get them get them all gelled together. Here's here's uh, my takeaway. Before you go, yeah, before go you ahead. go, Omar. Before you go and show the. the by the way, your uh, your uh, Julius Randall Island is uh, getting a little bit crowded right now. Uh, Let us not forget yeah. who was here the whole time. Okay. Let us not <laughs> before forget. Before you go, that talk about how Julius Randall and R.J. Barrett just don't see eye to eye. They don't like each other. Look at the games. And see who is the first player to hype up, or Randall, or uh, RJ after a big play, or just giving him the, the first dab or that come on or screaming in, this, in their face. It's either for Randall RJ for RJ Randall. It's always like that. After the a big dunk, there's always a, a Randall or RJ going up to them. Follow with Brunson. So I think those three guys really are connecting pretty pretty well. So stop with the nonsense that they don't see eye to eye. Omar, just the floor is yours. Go go ahead. Here's here's the thing, guys. We have these three guys who are who have a very decent chance of ending the year, each one of them averaging over 20 points per game. So it's not a situation where, you know, one uh, where like a Miami big three situation where Chris Bosch was really iced out kind of by Wade and LeBron. We have a situation where it seems to be an equal division of labor for the most part. You know, like when 
like RJ's getting his chances to create and get inside. We saw that today. He got quite a few drives up to the basket. Julius is getting his chance to either drive in or, you know, take a, a midi or, or a step back three. Brunson lives in the paint, you know, and, and gets down there whenever he wants. So I think the idea with the team is we're going to have these three guys who are just going to attack, attack, attack whenever they have the ball. And the hope is they're going to wear you down because of how much they're going to outmaneuver you and how physical they can be uh, with you in getting into the paint and being a threat from the outside, which all three of them have shown this year to be able to hit those shots. I look at this more as just like a narrative building thing, right? People decided they didn't like Julius or people are out on RJ. So they kind of are, are pitting them against one another because they want one of the guys out because they're tired of watching them. Right. And from the Julius perspective, you're still mad that he's not who you wish he was. And from RJ, you're, you know, you're mad that he's not Zion or Ja, you know, and to me, I think they work fine together. Not every good pairing in the NBA is going to be a seamless fit. Like an example that comes to mind for me is the Blazers when McCollum was there. Like McCollum's a natural, he's he like he's a scoring point guard naturally when he was coming out of college, out of uh, uh where did he go to school? Uh, Lehigh, and uh, and Lillard is the same way. So how do you pair those two guys to score first point guards? Well, they figured it out. They took turns, and the, that team got to a Western Conference final once. So I don't think it's the end of the world that maybe it's not a perfect puzzle piece fit between these two, but it's enough of a fit. They don't. They don't have a Gobert, Donovan Mitchell situation going on where they hate each other. You know, it doesn't seem that way. So I think that it's much ado about nothing, to be honest with you. And, you know, we're talking about, again, what a luxury that we have three guys who could score 30 plus on any given night. Like, yeah. why why is that a bad thing? I guess it is, is my is my question here is like, would you have preferred if instead of RJ, we, we had like some some spot up shooter only like we have Reggie Bullock or something, you know, like, would you prefer that? You know, we saw what the offense looks like without RJ it's, it's Jalen and Julius popping up 30 shots a game, you know, and you know, that's not great. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, I don't think it's a bad thing to be able to play the hot hand. And again, when you have a team that doesn't have superstar talent, but you have three pretty good players that's the way you do it. You know, that's how you score your points. That's how you win your games is by those guys performing. And we've seen that this year, the three of them are uh, the team goes as far as those three guys go, right. When they, when they all play well, generally they win the game. You know, we, I, we would have to look that up of, you know, how, what the win loss record is when, when they combine for a certain amount of points or not, but I, I would imagine it's pretty high because, Again, once they they get everything going, it kind of trickles down. Grimes starts hitting shots, quickly starts hitting the floater. Hartenstein stops being an idiot for half a second before he reverts back to his natural state, you know. And uh, I, I'm really mad about Hartenstein, guys. If if you hadn't noticed, um, I just get this trade this guy. I'm, I'm done with him. I'm, su- I'm surprised it's taken this long. Oh, <laughs> well, you know me, guy. I'm patient. I'm the patient one of the group. You know, like. When 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 we were when there was overreactions about uh, losing a few games, I'm like, let's calm down, let's wait, you know. And 
you know, I, I, I stood by Julius in his dark times. And, you know, even when people say shit about RJ, I'm like, I get frustrated by RJ a lot, you know, when, especially when he's getting like blocked at the rim, but I know he's still developing, you know, it's, it's about being patient, but this guy, I don't know, man, just gets under my skin. You know, I just, uh, it just, he's not, doesn't seem like a winning player as much as maybe the hopes are too high, I guess, is the point. Point, you mentioned frustrating things and you mentioned RJ. The most fucking frustrating thing he does, he shoots the ball in the corner and just stands there. Oh, with the hand up. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The fucking rebound. Dude, yeah, the what game? Uh, was that the Washington game? I think he there was it was a ball. No, I think it was the Pacers. It was the Pacers. Okay, okay. The, uh, the, the Pacers he did back it. to him. Well, he doesn't had the hand up. <laughs> dude, I was like, come the fuck on, dude. The like I get the there, ball through, just, but don't don't hold it, man. You know, like, you know when you're playing two K and you get stuck in the animation, that's it. You get stuck in the animation. RJ's the like, stuck in the real life animation. There you go. But, oh but the thing that bothers God. me at the moment is that I, I see a lot of chat about oh, you know. Hartenstein's not being played correctly and you know he's not being put in the position to succeed. You're like, no, these are basic, basic basketball skill making, you know. You're like, come on. Like this <laughs> isn't putting in a bad, it's not like he should be shooting more corner threes. No, no one's saying exactly. that. Like he commits he stupid can't. fouls. He can't handle the he's looking can't like Nerlens Noel at times handling the ball. You know, it, it's just it's so bad. And it's like whenever Mitch goes out, I, I get worrisome because I'm just like, all right, well, we're fucked now because Mitch is out of the game, you know, which is also a testament to how good he's been this year, in mm-hmm. addition to yeah. an indictment of Hartenstein. But I'm getting fired up. Believe... Let's, uh, let's no, I time. can't believe people aren't screaming for uh, Jericho Sims minutes more, by the yeah. way, because of yeah. how and poor Hartenstein well has been. In his playing. limited moment. Why not at this stage, you know? He's yeah, giving we'll you nothing. You might as well. Might as well, might as well right. But let's uh, get into our last topic of the day uh, this week. So this is kind of a fun conversation. Uh, you know, we all like and remember and and uh, have fond thoughts of Carmelo Anthony. You know, Nick Nick Legend Carmelo Anthony, uh, who is currently still without a team. Um, so we gotta started to wonder, what would this team look like? If we had a closer to his prime, Carmelo Anthony on the roster. So, Alex, I'll, I'll throw that over to you. Well, what do you think this team would look like? Well, I was saying to you earlier, I, I kind of misunderstood the question at first. I, th- I thought maybe you were hinting at the fact of, you know, playing him at the three, you know, Randall at the four, RJ at the two, Brunson at the, the one, you know, that's, and Mitch at the five, you know, if, if, um, rather than maybe playing him at the four instead of Julius, um, but yeah, that that would be an interesting. Ways, right? Yeah, I mean, it's you you know he would uh, certainly if it's towards his prime as you said, rather than you know what he is now. Um, then yeah, I mean he he'd he'd be he'd be a welcome addition to kind of what we're missing at the moment. I think. Um, I think. I think certainly from him, RJ, and you know Brunson would be a really interesting fit. I think, uh, um, you know, you'd again have to see, you know, could we adapt Randall's game again even a bit a bit further? You know, make him more. Randall's been, you know, so good rebounding recently. You know, you could make him a more kind of um, focused on his on his defensive game. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean it's. 
yeah, I'm thinking, you know, usage wise, there's gonna there's gonna be a bit of a logjam there. But yeah, it's a, it was an interesting one. I, um, I, I wasn't quite sure how to think about it, but um, yeah, I, I would, if anything, play him at the three certainly. Yeah. In that situation. Just Carmelo Anthony. How many rings, Rafa? How many rings? There you go. <laughs> Garden playing with a decent point guard. Not decent, a fucking amazing point guard in Jalen Brunson. That's that that that's it. We would finally give Carmelo a uh, uh, a point guard and a wing. Oh, well, I can say, but he had the wing with J.R. Smith, but R.J. Barrett has a little bit more the temper than R.J. Smith. So, yeah, yeah. I can say it. I mean. How many rings? I mean, I don't. I don't even want to say not one, not two, not three. No, uh, <laughs> but um, we would certainly be a contender every year with yeah. uh, Prime Mellow. It's. It, I mean, Mellow carried us that team to do our team to conference finals and a conference final and playoffs and everything. So and and especially with the Nuggets, he was doing amazingly as well. So, I mean, I can't even – we talked about this. We, I know, I knew we were going to talk about this on the pod, and I still can't put it into words how magical that would be. I think – Oh, my God. That if in this fantasy land, the Knicks win at least one title with that – with as currently constituted, if you add even like a slightly past his prime mellow, like, uh, you know, later in his mellow. Yeah, yeah. And imagine this small ball lineup, though, where you throw Randall at the five. Uh, we would have to be a different coach, obviously, because Tibbs would never do that. But um, if you throw Randall at the five with uh, Mello at the four, RJ at the three, Grimes at the two, and uh, Brunson at the one, I, I don't know. I just feel like that's deadly offensively. Um, I think you guys are getting slightly, as well. slightly mm. overexcited. <laughs> Look, man, we we don't have a lot to fantasize about in Knicks land, Alex. And because, like, the real thing, though, is the point guard question, right? Because the best point guard we ever gave him was, you know, uh, Raymond Felton, really. And, you know, Jalen Brunson is a much better point guard than Raymond Felton. So, you know, that alone, even discounting anything else, even if you just say, yeah, he'd be replacing Julius, what would that be like, right? Mm. It was just, it just is a market improvement. Wouldn't Julius be a better, way better version than Amari Stoudemire during his time with the Knicks? Certainly a more healthy version. <laughs> well, a version. Of yeah, it. I mean, so, you have yeah, two guys two. In, in Mello and Julius who would be able to create. Obviously, Brunson and RJ can also create. You know, so that in and of itself becomes uh, a very interesting thing, yeah. right? Bring Derek Fisher to put the triangle, man. Fucking triangle. Ring Phil Jackson. All right. <laughs> that would work. I guess the moral of the story is retire number seven at the garden. Uh let's uh could he be the answer to the uh the bench problem now that we mentioned okay. You mean currently at like current 38 yeah. year old mellow? Um yeah, yeah I mean, some shots. It's still mellow. He could still it's I think uh we've made this point I'm just before. dreaming, sorry. Yeah, um we made this point before, which is, will there be pressure 
for mellow to be mellow, you know, and maybe be more of a distraction than a help. You know, that's always the problem. I would love it personally. Just, I, I like those going away tours. They're fun. You know, um, you know, I enjoyed the, the one with Kobe, you know, and, uh, it was kind of his last year. Everybody knew it was his last year type thing. I don't know. I just think it'd be cool. Mello. I think Mello will be remembered mostly as a Nick, you know, even though he had a lot of success in Denver. But yeah. I, I personally would love to see it, but I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, it doesn't seem like well, office wants to do that. I wonder if the situation, if it starts to look like playoffs are, are more of a certainty, whether that's when they make a move like that, you know, just to bring a guy that can just. Uh, yeah. Or if they whiff at the deadline, and, right. You know, like yeah. if they whiff at the deadline, maybe they say, well, you know, we do. We need some scoring. You know, and yeah, and let's throw this guy Experience. in. And see what happens. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Is Mello looking for a, a final tour with the Knicks, or is he trying to for a, a final tour for an, a championship? All Dance I'm saying the, is he has had comments about his time with the Knicks in interviews recently, and he has had basically nothing bad to say, unless it's like about Phil Jackson, which <laughs> is is a whole other subject. My but, guy. Yeah, there you go. Do you think he would sign with the, if if he had no other offers? Do you think he'd sign in Brooklyn? Ooh, probably. You know, and a title, yes. Yeah, I think he he he. I think deep down he does want a ring, and yeah. I think if nobody but the Knicks are offering, he'd be like, "Well, I want. I still want. I still feel like I can contribute on the NBA level." But he wants a ring. I mean, everybody I, I, knows I, that's all that's missing well, from his resume. What if, what if they play the "We're Coming Home" video? Uh, as he runs out of Barclays, gets a title mm. in his final season. How would that no, mean? He gets a title in that season <laughs> and says, I did it, New York. I won a title. I think Melo yes. has a little bit more situational awareness and, and all that than to say something like that, to be honest. But uh, obviously, obviously. But uh, let's, yeah. uh, let's get time. into. Thank you, Alex. Uh, I will have nightmares right. now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, what number is he wearing? Is he wearing that double zero? Because he obviously he's not wearing seven because you know it's KD's number. Mm. 77. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the best number. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's uh let's get into some game picks this week. So three games coming up. Uh at home against Washington on Wednesday, on the road against Atlanta, uh the free falling Atlanta Hawks at uh on Friday, and then on Sunday, uh, back in Toronto for another another matchup uh, with the Raptors. It feels like we've had a lot of those where playing that same team three mm. times in like a couple mm. weeks span. We had it with the Bulls a few weeks back. Um, so, all right, Alex, start with you. Uh, what do you think uh, the record's going to be this week? Well, just to say the Hawks beat the Heat tonight. So, um, you know, they might not be quite in free fall. Streaky but... as well. It seems it, it sounds like another three close games. Um yep. to be honest. Porzingis had another big night um um as well. So yeah. I'll I'll, I'll push on and say two one. I, I think they're, they're they're gonna come back fighting from, from tonight's loss and um give them an extra bit of energy, try to put that right uh, against Toronto. So I, and maybe pick up uh, one of the other two. Um Maybe probably Washington. So yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go two one then. Yeah, same for me. I'm looking at those games, and I'm uh, I'm not seeing us win the at uh, Atlanta and and at uh, Toronto. 
Toronto is always a problem. Yeah, and the Hawks are, well, they see us as a, a rival team and they will uh, try to kick our ass, right? To, hey, we're here. So it's a, those two especially will be a, a toughies. The loss will come from one of those. Yeah, I'm going to mirror what you guys are saying. We can say two and one. Uh, Washington feels like a winnable game, uh, you know, with the injuries that they have. And uh, I don't know. I, I never trust it in Toronto. You know, we we have so much trouble there. Exactly. Yeah, we won recently there, but, uh, you know, we always seem to struggle there. And considering how we played them today, you know, there's uh, – they definitely give us our money's worth. That's for sure. Um, so I'm going to say 2-1 uh, with probably – Dropping one uh, at Toronto uh, next Sunday. Okay, Capella you know, and Bogdanovic about... for, for Atlanta. Okay. Uh, so they've tidied up some of their um, injury worries. Yeah, I'm just going to say that the, the games close up, bunch together, the three games, they feel the games feel more um, playoffy. I'm like, mm. you see the teams. For example, you're seeing this the Toronto team this week, and you will still have that loss from today re- re- really, really fresh. So that can come into the ne- heads of the players as well. So it, it yeah. makes it a little interesting, interest dynamic in the, the course of the regular season as well. It makes it more of a storytelling thing. I like it. Yeah, and that, that kind of speaks to the logjam in the East, right? You know, a lot of teams still feel like they're alive for the play-in. Uh, a lot of teams are you know, trying to win some games here. I honestly, I'm kind of surprised more teams haven't just said F it were in the tank now, you know, really the only teams who are really in that mode are um, Detroit, Houston, you know, is in that mode. OKC um, aren't far off the plane. They're in the playing spot now. Yeah. They're like right there, right by 10th. SGA is kind of, uh, you know, playing well, you know, and, uh, you know, had they're winning some games. They beat uh, Brooklyn the other night, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, and maybe the planes help it the, against it. The play having, the yeah, I think that was the idea, a, right? Yeah. You know, it was kind of like you, you get, you know, you still have a chance to get into the playoffs. And ultimately, if you have, you know, veteran players, you know, and by veteran, I mean three plus or four plus years in the league, you know, they don't want to keep on losing. You know, SGA doesn't want to keep on losing. I'm sure Josh Giddy doesn't want to keep on losing, you know, so they're trying to win games. Um, really, like, like I said, Houston and Detroit are the one, and Charlotte are the ones that really stick out as kind of in the tank right now. But everybody else feels like they're still trying to win games. So uh, San Antonio is another one. They're kind of uh, free fall, you know, don't even care, uh, trying to get Wembenyama as well. So, but that is going to do it this week for Worldwide Knicks. If you enjoy the podcast, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or subscribe on YouTube so you can catch the video versions of this podcast. We're also on Twitter at Podcast, closing in on 1,500 followers. Uh, so we got a lot of game analysis, live game reactions, and things of that nature. So make sure to give us a follow if you are on Twitter. But on behalf of Rafa and Alex, this is Omar, Worldwide Knicks, signing out. We'll catch you guys next week.